<laughs> so, Mr. Zombie, I understand you would like to apply for a loan. Yeah! And uh, it'll be a house loan? Yeah! From what I understand, there'll be a thousand people residing at this house? Yeah! And uh, what, what do you plan to do at the yard? Dig. And it's got a garage, so you can park your car there. Well, congratulations, Mr. Zombie. We have approved your loan. Wow! Walk into our town and promote hate, violence, suicide, death, drug use, and Columbine-like behavior. I can say... Linking violence in movies to higher levels of aggression and violent behavior. Recognizing that many children love violent movies. So motherfuckers are always trying to escape. Take a look around! Dodge this. Dig through the ditches and burn through the witches. I slam in the back of my Dragula. My name is Shawnee Campion, and you are listening to the intersection of new metal and cinema. Take a look around with my beautiful co-host, the super beast, the living dead girl. More human than human, it's Alistair Bates. How are you tonight, Batesy? Sean, I am fantastic, and I would like to welcome to the house of Thousand Corpses. I couldn't figure out, like, a madness thing but uh no i'm good i like that i literally went through every single white zombie and rob zombie song then and it just left you with nothing to work with didn't i <laughs> you had to go straight to the first band that you could think of which was 1980s seminal bristol scar band <laughs> yeah you know they have a lot of songs about houses as well i could have gone with our house of a thousand corpses but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you um, blew it. I blew it, man. Hey, look. Before we get stuck into talking about this, look. Not spoiler alert, but fantastic movie. <laughs> uh, do you have any breaking news, Sean? What is this garbage you're watching? I want to watch the news. Are you making headways? This is the news. So after several weeks of uh, middling to, if any, breaking news, we finally have real breaking news, Al. What is it? So, uh, Seminole, I want to say, I wouldn't lump them in with Nu Metal, but I would say that they are definitely a seminal influence on the sound, the style, the aesthetic of Nu Metal. Ice-T's 1990s metal band Body Count, after their... How would you describe the reformation of body count in the late 2010s? Like, kind of, did you expect it to go anywhere when Talk Shit Got Shot came out? Talk Shit! Talk shit. Get shot! Act hard, motherfucker! Get shot! When that song came out... Uh, Hilarious that it is. That video is oh, so dude. funny. It, it's still... I still think it's like a fucking sick song now. I think that song came out the same year as a new Hatebreed album coming out. And I remember just being like, mm, I think this new Body Count song is a better Hatebreed album <laughs> as a whole. Yeah. Like, talk Shit Get Shot was fucking fantastic I the think cover of institutionalized to... they did alongside it with the lyrics about 
just wanting a ham sandwich, but your personal assistant is vegan. Like, I, I, I was just here for everything that Ice-T was dropping. Yeah. Like, it was totally comical. But the idea that several years later, they would release a completely straight-faced follow-up, go on to win the Grammy Award for Best Metal Performance with a track by the name Bum Rush. <laughs> and we're going to play it right here. Was definitely furthest from my mind. Smoke! You can't stop the bum rush! You can't stop the bum rush! You can't stop the bum rush! I feel like, you know, Ice T's like a cool dude. Like, he gets it. Well, it's um, funny you mention that. Like, I was trying to, like, think about, like, is there anyone, like, that can even, like, step to the kind of personality that Ice-T has managed to develop for himself, where he has established himself as this anti-authoritarian figure who spent 25 years playing a cop every single week on a Law & Order SVU. He set himself up as this kind of, like post-ironic figure while somehow being also the most earnest person on the planet. Yeah, it's a pretty cool spot to be in. I um have read two of his memoirs, one of them Holy called The Ice Solution. Like, he's a dude, man. Like, he's, like, I love, his reasoning for fucking Law and Order is always just like, dude, I gotta fucking eat. Who gives a shit, yeah. man? It's, <laughs> like, all mass media is fucking evil. Fuck you. Yeah. Like... Yeah, <laughs> and all he wants to do is just like play games and have like play video games and just fucking troll alt right people on the internet. Like the dude rocks. <laughs> I, I I got all the time in the world, and I think at some point, either here or on the Patreon, we're going to have to come cover, cover some of his filmography. Like he's got some stone cold classics in there. Uh, surviving the game. Uh, deep mm, totally. deep cover, New Jack City, all just fantastic nineties films. My favorite Chappelle show sketch, the player haters ball. Man's got a hit. You know, talking about hits, let's uh talk about a film that certainly was not a hit when it came out. Two thousand and three's House of a Thousand Corpses. Sorry, how many corpses was that? Uh anywhere between a thousand and one and uh, one corpse. That's too many corpses. Can we <laughs> dial it back as good? And you're telling me there's a what full of them? <laughs> Play trailer. Howdy, folks. You like blood, violence, freaks of nature? On a stormy Halloween night, four young people set out across the back roads of America. What's that? It's a hitchhiker. What, should we stop? We can't leave right here in the rain. In search of a mysterious figure known only as... Dr. Satan. Do you know anything about the legend of Dr. Satan? Yeah, I can show you. Dr. Satan! Ah, Dr. Satan! What they uncovered... <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. ...is the most horrifying and shocking tale of carnage ever seen. Well, I bet you'd stick your head in the fire if I told you you could see hell. You seen this girl? Yeah, they want to play Nancy Drew with this local legend that people call Dr. Satan. Stupid kids probably got themselves lost. Let's get out of this nut house. <laughs> the boogeyman is real. 
And you found him. It's your guy! Please don't kill us. From director Rob Zombie <laughs> comes a journey into hell. This can't be real. This can't be real. This can't be real. <laughs> House of a Thousand Corpses. Okay, 2003's House of a Million Corpses, <laughs> written and directed by Rob Zombie. So we've got uh, something special planned for a little later in the episode, so we're not really going to like dwell too much on the production and the music of this film, because we really we really have something, we, we can't stress how special it is coming up later for that. So we're just going to dive straight into the plot, but first, Al, like... Do you remember where you were when this film came out? I remember quite a lot about this film coming out. So, around 2003, I would have been 12, 13. This was peak B-Man finally rebelling against his folks. He's not wearing the cassock of the altar boy. He's listening to Marilyn Manson, later who we, you know, bad dude. (laughs) But on top of that... I'm also loving the music of a certain Rob Zombie. Uh, At this time, my real big love of movies, I was subscribing to Empire Magazine, and I remember just seeing... Whoop, there it is! Shoutouts to Empire Magazine! Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for a monthly magazine mostly made up of paid advertisements for upcoming new films? Oh, man. I feel like the amount of times I've picked you or your or your brother, friend of the show, Chris Campion, up from the airport when one of you are just holding a copy of Empire <laughs> is... It's, it's the quintessential... Uh, my favourite oh, part dude. about it's Empire Magazine was... Yeah, my, my favourite part about Empire Magazine was that the front cover would be like... War for the Planet of the Apes. Big splash feature, War for the Planet of the Apes. Like, a few, like, follow-up features on, like, you know, like, the special effects and, like, the history of the Planet of the Apes movies. And then tucked away at the very end of the actual magazine was the actual review of the movie where they were like, yeah, two and a half stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, always <laughs> rules. I can't remember what was on the cover for this, so keeping with the theme, we'll say it's The Matrix. But I do remember, tucked away in the news section, on like a very, maybe on the most furthest right corner at the bottom, oh, there was news about Rob Zombie's upcoming uh, long, long shelved film, House of a Thousand Corpses, being banned in Australia. And that was the first time I remember hearing of a movie getting banned. And that, as a fucking kid, just blew my mind. I was fucking like, whoa, dude. And then finding out... You're telling me that, like, uh, like a whole country's parents have banned yeah. a movie? <laughs> Absolutely. And, like, on top of that, like, I already loved Rob Zombie's music, man. So, like, hearing that, like... Like one of my favorite musicians at the time, it made a movie that was so badass that they had to <laughs> ban it. I was just like, "Fuck, that rocks!" I had no idea movies got banned. Yada yada. 
it eventually obviously got released in Australia and I remember tricking my grandmother into, I think it was the first R-rated movie I ever watched. So uh, everything I say about this film is going to be tinted with some kind of rose-tinted lenses. But like, I remember putting my thumb over the R. No, Grandma, that's it, it's a misnomer. <laughs> no house could possibly fit that many <laughs> yeah, exactly. corpses. It's very tongue-in-cheek. Because it was like the, the generic Video Easy VHS cover, uh, you know, there was no ripped up face oh, on the front they they really did us a justice like video easy and blockbuster oh. like putting everything in those like generic slip cases didn't they shout out yeah, to dudes. whatever horny yeah. pervert uh working for video easy <laughs> that needed Basic a way instinct. to sneak yeah. this stuff <laughs> into houses you are a, a patron saint my friend of the but, take um, a look around universe and we will allow you one free month to subscribe to our <laughs> patreon <laughs> which uh you can subscribe to at very reasonable rates uh and yeah i remember just watching it being fucking um just like this rocks like this rocks i think i at that summer i stayed at my grandma's maybe two weeks i think i watched it every night i was just like fuck this is i've never seen anything like this uh it i think it informed quite a lot of what i love about horror films like it made me really love like grotesque uh southern thried kind of weird i don't know it's just a fucking it's it. I don't know. Like it's such a strange movie in the sense. We'll talk about. Uh, it's it's strange. Before we get stuck into it, like, uh, I guess I should. Uh, I really can't compete with that. I just. No. I saw it at Video Easy and was like, hmm, that's uh, that's quite a lot of corpses. I think I might rent this. That's my story. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Let's get stuck into the plot. So this film. Uh, opens with the inimitable Sid Haig, famous character actor, uh, as Captain Spaulding, the character he would later reprise uh, throughout what would eventually become a fucking franchise. The, uh, the second he is on screen, he is already like children's Halloween costumes. Like, oh, it's like, I'm trying to think of like just examples of when when someone is trying to like push a new character on you and it just takes as quickly as this has but i i think that opening scene between captain spaulding and his friend talking about how uh like their local friend that captain spaulding doesn't like and how the friend had to fish Planet, a Planet of the, of the Apes, Apes doll out of his ass and stuff. Like, I was just like, for, the, for me, like, I don't have the same kind of rose-tinted glass as you have of this film. Uh, for me, it just kind of, like, is just kind of ensconced in a sea of 2003 memories. But the second that I rewatched it and that scene appeared, I was just like, I'm in. This is... Yeah, if this didn't click for me... As a child, it's absolutely clicking for me now. This is amazing. It's so good. So they're chilling out. It's October 30th. It is Halloween Eve. Captain Spaulding, he kind of runs this, I guess, uh, geek show slash chicken shop slash petrol station. Uh, talking See with you his... at the chicken shop. Ba, 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 ba. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, it gets uh, held up by two amateur criminals, Killer Carl and
man. Little Ricky Dickwick. Is that what they call him? The the. Uh... Did you notice who Little Ricky Dickwick was? No, who was it? Uh, I can't remember his name. Oh, okay. But he played the heavy in... <laughs> Sorry, my bad. He played the heavy in Jason X. Oh, was it Kane Hodder? No, uh, the the other big guy in Jason X who gets bumped off in the virtual reality segment. So it was just kind of like, oh, that's cool to see that guy like pop up in something else so <laughs> sure. quickly. Like I thought that Jason X kind of like sealed the tomb of everyone involved in it and just like like to the point where they couldn't even have enough petrol money to even get out of French Canada. It was well, such a bomb. <laughs> I mean, this is probably filmed at the same time. Remember, this sat on the shelf for nearly a uh... Three years. <laughs> Actor's name is Todd Farmer, and he would later he was actually would go on to be the the writer of the My Bloody Valentine 3D remake and the fantastic Nicolas Cage film Drive Angry. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so the gas station gets held up. Uh, I think this scene fucking rocks. Captain Spaulding's friend slash assistant is taken a leak during all of this and uh comes back and kills both of them it kind of does a really kind of nice hard cut to the opening credits which is which plays the titular song with this fucking amazing montage like i love the visual style of this film i love that it is just that weird gonzo montaging over like a lot of films of this era and i had no idea that this had been shelved since 2000 so it would have been ripe and fresh of 2000 2003 it was already kind of being played out a little bit but Mm. this kind of music video approach to editing that this film has is amazing the like the like juxtaposition and the constant jump cuts between regular handheld footage over to like snuff film VHS Mm -hmm. to like old timey undercranked 16 millimeter camera it's amazing it's got such I think the only two films I can compare it to visually that's such an overload are um, Shin Godzilla and fucking Natural Born Killers where like every shot just looks so fucking awesome yeah Natural Born Killers shares a lot of DNA with this yeah, do do you like Natural Born Killers? I found out no. a lot of people hate it. <laughs> I love that movie, and I had no idea so many people hated it <laughs> until very recently. Do you know how long I've had to just like pretend I uh, have liked oh, that I... movie for to just like get out of this same <laughs> yeah, conversation? No, fair <laughs> like, there's not a lot to like about it, but uh, I think it's kind of like this where it got me at the right age. Um, we cut to the classic four teenagers on an adventure. Uh, you got Jerry, Bill, Mary, and Denise. They're they're trying to write a book on offbeat roadside attractions where they uh, they find this museum. Uh, Bill played by uh, a pre The Office. Yeah, Rain and Wilson. what's the other dude? Chris. He is not. Yeah, Chris Hardwork, the less said about that piece of abusive <laughs> shit, the better. I'm so glad that his death is stretched out over the course of 40 oh, minutes dude. of this film because you read the allegations against that guy. He's yeah, a piece man. of I junk. Yeah, uh, worst of all, he uh, was uh, on The Talking Dead. Did, it, did anyone need that show? <laughs> oh, this reminds me. You can cut this bit out, but I forgot to do this. I was going to talk to you about how I've watched Pharaoh... Uh, first Alan and just go yeah it's so horrible all the things they're saying about that 
uh, the, all the things that are said in that documentary are so horrible. I feel so hard for Woody and uh, Sun Yi right now. They must really... <laughs> so please cut that out. <laughs> Okay. Uh, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I forgot to do that when I. Uh, Rain Wilson. I, I don't know if this is necessarily a compliment, but Rain Wilson is not aged a day since the year 2000. He looks exactly the same in the Meg as he does at age like 21 yeah, <laughs> in House of a Thousand Corpses. That clean living Baha'i faith of his. He's, he's in some weird. Uh... Not happy clapper, but there's some kind of uh, benevolent cult. Like Z- Zoro, You're kidding? Kind really? of like he's Zoro. Not, he's not like a Scientologist. No, he's in the Baha'i. He? They're they're this weird um, new age group who take everything from fucking everything. So it's just kind of like. But are you fucking? You're fucking no. with me. He seems so no, on the he, level. Uh, he even hosts this like weekly podcast that like investigates uh, or not investigates but talks about like the doctrine of uh, the Baha'i faith which isn't it funny how like you um even like the like the coolest Hollywood people like the guys that you're like I bet he'd be cool to have a beer with um uh, are just like complete freaks like for instance uh two polar opposites but uh You'd love to have a beer, of course, or smoke a little ganja with Eric Andre. Turns out he's, like, insanely into that David Lynch transcendental meditation, and he believes that he can, like, block out negative emotions and even, like, sounds just by Mm. meditating. A lot of people are into TM, man. Uh, Paul McCartney and Ringo do fucking fundraisers for it and shit. Yeah, Rocket Man. You know, like, the David Lynch Foundation wants to teach prisoners transcendental meditation which i think is cool but uh, i think it's a very weird um thing to be raising but whatever i think one of the greatest projects i've heard that never got off the ground was rain wilson was funding a longmont potion castle documentary on kickstarter that i think it missed out on its funding by like maybe like like something like two grand or something oh i really wish i had put any money (laughs) towards it (laughs) I was looking for that um, that R&B single. The R&B single, it's like, yeah. Okay, hold it's on. Like, it's like triple-double flip, double-double chip, double-chip, double-trip, double-chip-chip. It's like it's like triple-double flip, double-double-chip, double-chip, double-trip, double-chip-chip. Double-double flip, double-double-chip. So I was wondering how late you're open to. Hello? Oh, man. <laughs> Looks like we're not going to be able to afford to build the orphanage this year kind of uh, stuff. Anyway, we dig- we've we digressed. Uh, they The four fucking hippy-dippy university students uh, pull over to Spalding's Museum of Monsters and Mad Men, and they are taken on a spooky tour uh, on a what I think is hilarious fucking ghost train ride. <laughs> Just it's like a ghost train ride through like the history of serial yeah, killers, like they, isn't they it? They talk about Albert Fish and uh, Ed Gein, uh, all the uh... and then bam, mm. Doctor Satan. <laughs> so cool, such a fucking cool name. 
I was just absolutely cacking it. Like, I, I didn't have any memories of this film outside of Sid Haig's face. And so the idea that, like, it's all... Like, Rob's, Rob Zombie has, like, gone on record as saying that the film, like, was supposed to be a lot grittier, but as they made it, it just came across extremely campy and full of black humour. And it's like, bitch, you wrote a movie centred around a character called Dr. <laughs> yeah. Satan. <laughs> what were you expecting? Expecting. Your name is Rob yeah, exactly. Zombie. <laughs> uh, please show Mr. Zombie the gravitas he deserves. Um, and I love that bit where they come out, the, the dudes come out of the fucking freak show and they're just screaming, Dr. Satan! Dr. Satan! <laughs> I got huge um, Detroit Rock City vibes mm. off this movie. Like, just this, like, Rob Zombie's like, in the same way that Detroit Rock City was a love letter to the 70s, this is... And, like, all of the, like, fandoms you had of the 70s growing up. This is the same thing for Rob Zombie. It's like, you can tell that he is the kids in this as much as he is the freaks Absolutely. And I think what it does differently to fucking Detroit Rock City is instead of being super, like, uh, uh, like, wasn't the 70s fun? It's just like, wasn't the 70s fucking gross and sinister and really weird (laughs) not just me who felt that uh balding tells them where they can find uh, the tree that dr satan was hung on he he was uh i think what did they explain him as an escaped ss war criminal who experimented on the mentally ill and uh would kidnap young women and young men and do cruel experiments to turn them into his mindless zombies for some kind of takeover of sorts um no that's al bates uh you're thinking of dr Satan. very easy to get confused uh as they drive to the to the tree they come across uh baby who is played by sherry moon zombie or such famous such a, a star of such films as all of rob zombie's movies and <laughs> that's about the living dead girl yeah. film clip <laughs> Is that I, it for I her? Think so, like, is man. she just like, like she is good, dude? Have, have you seen Lords of Salem? No, I, I, I'll, I'll get into dude, it a little so bit later. Cool. But, it's um... like Ken, it's like a Ken Russell film. Like it just looks so fucking trippy and awesome. I, I love like if if you, it's a grubster. If you guys like this, you will most likely love Lords of Salem. It's very cool. I, I I think she's no better than she is in this. Like she's just like she turns that like uh Harley Quinn baby mm-hmm. doll kind of thing like on its head like a full maybe decade and a half before oh, Suicide totally. Squad would like this is she's just firing on all cylinders because this would be her first major role I'd yeah, say. I think so. Like honestly as you said like this is probably it for her, right? Like I don't really Look, yeah, okay, here, here it is. I pulled up her IMDb. It is literally every film she is in is a Rob Zombie movie. So, uh, hey, good for more, more power, power to, to her. her. Like, uh, it'd be so cool if your partner was just a well known, like, creative figure and you were the yeah, muse. It is very... Like, maybe I'm just lazy, no, I think... but I, I want to be, like, someone's muse. <laughs> and I not that's have a very good point, though. It is very cute that, uh, he is like, not only am I going to make my wife in these movies she's the main character in all of these movies it is i never thought about it as the muse thing but i definitely think that's it, it right it's like a, it's a paul w anderson um miller yogovich sure. thing like new metal is nothing if not its muses <laughs> so true that's so beautiful <laughs> um they pick up baby how about this 
Mew metal, as in Mew. Okay. Ooh, slow down there, pal. <laughs> um, so the car breaks down. Is that what happens? And Baby says that they can find refuge in her house, which straight away it more or less becomes uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where uh, they're all yeah eating dinner with a whole bunch of grotesque hillbillies. One giant brother who's made up of characters from the Texas <laughs> <Yeah>. Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> franchise, including uh, the guy. What's the guy's name uh, from Texas Chainsaw Two? Chop Shop yeah, from Texas Bill Two. Mostly, that's his name. Uh, yeah, like. The, the beats for this are kind of two films. It's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Everyone gets brutally massacred slowly and horribly in quite grotesque ways. Rain Wilson's Bill, of course, gets uh, seduced and then turned into a terrifying human fish man. Uh, <laughs> this is probably like the jump-off point for the reason why... Universal shelved the movie for two years. Rob Zombie's talked at length about how Universal was like, oh, we kind of thought this would focus on the kids <laughs> and their story. And Rob Zombie said, no one who has ever watched a horror film has ever cared about the kids. And it's so interesting that it took till the year 2000 to make a film like this that is like a, a straight, like a straight horror film worship with all the beats except that it just goes off the deep end and just becomes a mood piece so quickly like we're talking 20 minutes in this film doesn't have a second or a third act it's just got from this point onwards we just get pure unadulterated oh, dude, zombie it's vision insane uh there's you know bits where they try to escape and otis and tiny are attack them the fucking bit where jerry gets scalped because he didn't pick baby's favorite movie star the grandpa just being like talking about pig's ears and eating pussy it's so fucking crass and like i just think it's awesome man i love this fucking movie the set design is incredible uh like you know this kind of film and the look of it has been imitated mm. before and and afterwards but there's so much to look at in this film it feels like the filmic equivalent of being at hogs sure. cafe i just i i love it it's just so lived in like the dust is real you know what i mean like it just like it looks so good i just a lot of people like accuse Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez of being nothing if not their influences mm. or wearing their influences onto their sleeve to the point of it being just pure ripoff rather than homage. But Rob Zombie has somehow found a way to channel both of those directors and his own intrinsic style into this lived-in version of that homages rip-off mm. style. Look, I love Texas Chainsaw 2, but I think this is better as Texas Chainsaw 2. Oh, for sure. Yeah, man. This It takes a real kind of change of pace halfway through, and we meet Denise's father, who uh, is an old retired policeman and friends with... I thought he was the dad from Halloween, which I was I was like, oh, that's a cool throwback. Nope, oh, just looks okay. like him. <laughs> uh, he, he calls the police and is just like, hey, so um, 
my daughter has shown hasn't shown up. I haven't heard from her. This is the evening of Halloween. Two police officers go to check the area. They find the couple. They find Denise's abandoned car with a boot full of dead cheerleaders. Which throughout the movie you kind of hear on the radio that a group of cheerleaders have gone missing. It's later revealed that Baby has been killing them one by one. Uh, the always welcome Walton Goggins as one yeah, of them. Yeah, and I think maybe his first role. Maybe I it think might this be... no, The Shield yeah. is like 1999, isn't it? Oh no, I'm totally wrong. He's got heaps of shit. He was in Shanghai <laughs> Noon. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but at least it's a very, very, very very young Walter yeah Morgan's, he's still got uh, hair in this and... baby bill is living good yeah <laughs> he he's just good in everything but like he's really come into his own like in in uh recent years hasn't he people are starting to appreciate walton goggins totally man what's rules about these scenes is i find it uh it really it doesn't slow the pace down, more or less. It just changes the pace, only for it to ramp back up into the insanity that was just showing prior. It's also interesting that you said that time is subjective, because this film really does kind of... It's set over the course of two days, but time really does slow down and speed up. And also, mm. you never really get a firm grasp of what year this is set. Oh, no, it's 77. 77? Yeah, there's there at the very start of the film it says October 30th, 1977. <laughs> Time is a flat circle, man. <laughs> this is another thing I love about the movie, man. The scale of the fucking sets. Like this whole sequence where they're out in a I guess the uh the the graveyard containing the titular 1000 corpses. They really How many? Uh, 999 plus one. I could have sworn it was a million corpses. Let me just find the DVD. Let me find the DVD. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. A thousand corpses. You're... Carry on. <laughs> like, they just went out to the desert to fucking film it. Like, you, you just watch them walk through just cross after cross like it's so, it looks so cool um, i love that you think that this is like the grand scope of the film but for me this is like i my girlfriend walked in and was like what's this and i was like i don't know x-rated scooby-doo <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. this is that's, this that's bit's wacky on. to me <laughs> but i love this bit and they they uh denise and jerry get chucked into a coffin and load into this goop pile full of goop mutants and there's this insane oh, you gotta have goop mutants man that there's they just put that um tape player full of the backwards talking satanic ritual verses and that's so it sounds it just rocks man denise gets out of the coffin crawls through the mud and gets away from the monsters she runs into the fucking Toxic Avenger or whatever yeah, that and is. Yeah, I remember just being so repulsed when he takes out that plug out of his mouth and pus just spews out. It's so... Such an awesome visual. She flees him. He swings his axe and all that bullshit. She runs into, I guess, the operating theatre of Dr. Satan, who is revealed is... Hasn't washed her hands. This is a medical facility, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> And he's operating on the uh, ex-boyfriend from memory. She escapes. 
she gets out it's the classic final girl thing she she finds captain spaulding who's driving through the desert and he gives her a ride in the car she passes out and then there is always the classic horror fake out of freeze frame otis jumping from the back with a knife uh and she wakes up surrounded getting her fucking head caved in by dr satan and the movie just ends not even hitting the 90 minute mark it is oh yeah hour 28 then smack bang into fucking brick house by the commodores oh Oh my god what an ending it also has the end question mark god damn i love that Dude, dude it's so cool uh this like the soundtrack to this movie i feel like influenced like a lot of just what i like i just feel like this movie really was it's quite a big like this and the Beastie Boys are probably two of the uh, biggest blocks for uh, just what I fucking like. You know the B-Man's I mean? Brick House. Oh, dude, it's so good. Sean, you were saying earlier that we had managed to snag ourselves a very... I guess we got the man himself, uh, Rob Zombie. Yeah, Al like has let the cat out of the bag then. like Al's been talking since we were pitching guests for season one like uh and even like late season one was i hey i've i've emailed rob zombie's manager i was like where the fuck did you find that it's like oh his details are just on his website and we didn't think that we had like a single prayer in hell that we would ever get a response but like we started chatting with his management and um yeah, we've uh, managed to get hold of Robert Zombert, uh, as he prefers to be called, and is requested. And he was kind enough to have a chat with us about the movie. Like, I'm so excited. Like, stay tuned. But that's right. Uh, Sean managed to speak to uh, Robbie Zombert on the phone. Uh, unfortunately, I was tied up at the time. So, uh, enjoy this interview with the very capable Sean Campion and Robbie Zombert. We do it like this. Okay, you are listening to Take a Look Around, and uh, I am very pleased to be joined by none other than uh, he has he doesn't like to go by Rob Zombie anymore. We are joined by Robert Zombert. It's so glad to hear from you, Rob. Now, here's the thing. Here's why I don't like being called Robbie Zombie, because that's not my fucking name, is it? I'm Rob Zombert. Uh, Hello? Uh, okay. Hello? Uh, yeah, um, okay. Uh, so... Rob, we 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 will get into your your um your music career, but really what we I, what we talk not a musician. About on... I don't know what you're talking about. So, sorry, Rob. Like um, I I I didn't mean musician. I meant a filmmaker. Really, like the, the the point of our podcast is that we are about the intersection of of new metal and cinema. So we we'd really be much more interested in talking to you about your films. I think you've got me confused. The kind of film I make is kind of like Saran wrap, kind of like cling wrap. It's used as a membrane in quite a lot of uh, open heart resuscitation operations. It's uh, quite sturdy. It's made out of other new metals that have been discovered, like aluminium. It's a very high-dense weave. I think you may have gotten the wrong Rob Zombie. So, Robert, um, you didn't make the film House of a Thousand Corpses? I, I think there has been a grave misunderstanding. I'm, I'm so sorry, Mr. Zombert. We've... Um, 
I, I think we've gotten some crossed wires here. Like, uh, I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll just leave you alone. We'll, we'll, we'll finish up the call now. I, I cleared my whole schedule for this. You're the ones who made me call you. I don't fucking believe this. I, 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 I cannot stress how sorry we are. This is, this is all my co-host. He's, he's booked the interview. I'm, I'm incredibly sorry, Mr. Zombert. Well, he sounds like a right lovely bloke. I can't wait to talk to him instead of you, mate. I'm, I, once again, I am so sorry. If you'd like, I, 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 I'd be happy to discuss, um, is it saran wrap with, Who with gets yourself? Who fuck you? Well, ladies and gentlemen, Rob Zombie. Al, I'm, you, you really fucked me on that one, Al. I'm, uh... How do you mean? What happened? <laughs> Look, we'll, we'll talk off, we'll talk off mic, but, um... You're a real fucking piece of shit, Al. <laughs> hey, you can't blame me. Should we talk production? So, production. Yes, please. The kind of the, the genesis of this film was um, Rob Zombie did an animated section for Beavis and Butthead to America. Um, Great film. Fantastic fucking oh, film. Oh, dude, it holds up so much. And, so funny. And, like, um, it, it's really funny to think about how much beavis and butthead were like tastemakers they were the first podcasters dude yeah but i mean pre-new metal the way for a metal band to break through or to be successful was to get a positive review on beavis and butthead as i said they were the first podcasters man. <laughs> really... settle down beavis <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Universal Studios were kind of like, oh shit, okay. Uh, what have you got? And he's like, oh, I want to do the the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it's called House of a Billion Corpses. <laughs> so what what happened was Universal Studios at their theme parks. Uh, he was instrumental in reviving uh, the Halloween Horror Nights, which would be these big film festivals they'd have at the Universal Studios uh, theme parks. They'd play Frankenstein or whatever. Uh, this was kind of around this time, the studio... How funny is it that you think that Disney and Disneyland and the fact that so many Disney films are based on rides is an outlier, and then you realise mm. that it's been like a viable marketing tool for like 100 years now, and that Universal and Warner Brothers both do it <laughs> yeah man well i mean dude when you think about it isn't the internet just one giant freaks and geeks show aren't we just looking at the sickos and getting our kicks off that um anyway uh, around this time uh universal kind of pitched to robert zombert about making an don't animated frankenstein film don't fucking <laughs> say his name you really fucked me al the film didn't eventuate but universal kind of kept rob zombie around to help with designing uh, haunted house attractions for the studio. That's so funny to me. Like the idea of, yeah, we don't really want to do your movie, but uh, do you reckon you could just like stick around, maybe uh, make a roller coaster? <laughs> oh, I think it's cool. Like, I don't know. I think that's a testament to, to creative genius is just being able to use medium, for, uh, so many mediums, whether it's something like fucking designing a haunted house fuck off as if it wasn't just like <laughs> we want to keep this guy around let's give him the shit job <laughs> no way i think it's sweet if i was asked to design a haunted house i would be like sick dude thank you anyway around this time uh he pitched house of a thousand corpses and universal were like 
yeah, dude, fuck it. Like, they read this uh, treatment he gave them, and they were kind of like... <laughs> the yes. first 15 pages of Texas Chainsaw. <laughs> yeah. With a new title. <laughs> uh, the film was shot pretty quickly, and... 25 like, days, that's so little. Yeah. Uh, it was originally going to be called American Nightmare, but uh, that was already a title that uh, had plagued. So there was a, another hardcore band around this period. Oh, not another. There was a hardcore band around this period called American Nightmare who had to change their name to give up the ghost because the rights to American Nightmare. Uh, I can't remember who owns them, but they tried to sue the fucking pants off that band. It's um, so funny that, like... It's happened to so many people and that, like, Americans are just such a corny people that yeah. they're so infatuated with the idea of, like, what if the American dream was the American nightmare? <laughs> oh, totally. It's so dumb. Of course a man and, named uh, Rob Zombie is infatuated with that idea. Oh, <laughs> uh, dude. And, I mean, like, there's the Danzig. Is there the fucking Misfits song yeah. American Nightmare that's, as well? That's yeah. the first place <laughs> I know it from. Yeah, I mean, if Danzig's coming up with something, it's either uh, awesome or stupid. Sometimes it's awesome and stupid at the same time. But yeah, <laughs> like... every time. <laughs> <laughs> so the film changed names to House of a Thousand Corpses, and this is when uh, Universal started kind of uh, tugging at their collars, wondering, uh oh, maybe we made a bit of a mistake. <laughs> Jeez, guys, that's way too many corpses. <laughs> it started off nice and smooth. It went really fine. Universal fell apart because the chairman of Universal said that the movie was a, a celebration of depravity, and she just couldn't be part of that. Howdy, folks. You like blood, violence, freaks of nature? Then we're at MGM for a minute, and then uh, I made some comment jokingly about MGM having no morals, so they don't have a problem releasing the film. They didn't find that to be very funny, so then it kicked me out of there. The boogeyman is real. And then finally ended up at Lionsgate, who, uh, I don't know, I guess you just can't bother those people. Nothing bothers them. They they filmed quite a lot of this on the Universal Studios lot. Uh, the exterior for the Firefly house was from the best little whorehouse in Texas. Uh, they'd used as many of the uh, amusement parks kind of attractions that they could use but they often kind of found due to fucking shooting in an open theme park it would fucking ruin a lot of takes so they <laughs> <laughs> they decided hey, what's going on in here <laughs> i'm just imagining like the people on the roller coaster just i'll kill you you're like the doppler sound of someone in the background zombie doing whilst making this movie filmed two different versions of the film so one he'd do that was super fucked up, and another he would do to fucking please Universal with the dailies and stuff. Uh, yeah, the less gory version. I'm pretty sure I watched the less gory version, and you did the same because there's a version floating around the net that's an hour forty-five. But come on, you got to be under ninety minutes. Another issue was one of the main cast members, uh, Aaron Daniels, got fucking hit with an axe by um, the big mutant toxie guy at the yeah end. actually got hit so he was supposed to be a character who was going to be more in the film but after that they were like bro you gotta leave town <laughs> <laughs> so yeah this film came out and um in its final form that had 
Sherry Moon's zombie masturbating herself with a fucking skeleton's hand in a throwaway scene. And obviously, uh, Universal were not very happy about it. <laughs> and uh, decided to shelve the film for roughly a period of two to three years where... Uh, eventually Rob Zombie, using his own money, had to buy the rights to his film back to release. That's uh, so funny to make a studio film and then be forced to release it independently because of, <laughs> I don't know what, like a culture not ready for this after 9-11. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, it's this movie's a lot. Like, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Let's talk like... the legacy of Rob Zombie as a filmmaker here. Because, like, I I remember reading some really good reviews of The Devil's Rejects. And I'd seen mm. this as a kid. Didn't feel the need to rewatch it. But in the last year or so, decided to put on The Devil's Rejects unrated edition. And Jesus fucking Christ, that film is like the godfather of violence to women. It is just, it takes everything that I liked about this movie and just inverts it. The campy, like, southern fried mayhem of it just is like turned into it just strips the humor from the whole thing sid haig's laughing face is still there but brian posein's along for the ride it definitely the sequel is definitely in a completely different tone uh i haven't actually seen what is the most recent one nine from hell or three from hell three from hell yeah because sid haig died r.i.p we discussed this on an earlier episode of the pod uh Rob Zombie's Halloween films. Uh, I have heard that his second film is like one of the greatest undersung horror films of the 2010s. Yeah, dude, I love his Halloweens. If you if you are a fan, please reach out. I haven't seen it yet. I'm I'm very excited to. I I think his first one is serviceable. Wouldn't call it an amazing film or even an amazing Halloween film, but I'm I'm very interested in what people are saying about the second one. I I don't mind the second one from memory. And like I guess on top of that, he got that weird. He and Edgar Wright did those weird interstitials for Grindhouse. I think that's like maybe the closest to mainstream success that Rob Zombie has had as a filmmaker. It's it's interesting, like, when we were maybe, like, 15 or 14, that's really when, like, the concept of Grindhouse really took off around, like, post-Kill Bill, post-Robert Rodriguez's era, and when they made that film, the, like the Rob Zombie style became mainstream and like things like Hobo with a Shotgun were just all you could do. The only like appreciation you could have for like 70s and 80s horror films was from this ironic lens and it killed me. I couldn't stand it. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, It is... I didn't like the the Grindhouse movies, per se. I like Machete, but that's definitely like a one-note joke. Um, Uh, It's... I just... If I couldn't stand Grindhouse, and I couldn't stand Hobo with a shotgun, Machete was literally like a macheteing off the fucking, like, (laughs) corneas of my eyes. Sure, sure. I was so ready for that era of horror filmmaking to end and as much as people like to hang shit on the current like trend we have of elevated horror where oh no the the bad monsters actually ptsd (laughs) fucking hell 
you know, like, God, it's just like a, a step above what we had 10 years ago with what, like, Death Race 2000 remakes that with just, like, literally turning to the audience to wink at you. But, like, I, I feel like I'm kind of tired of Elevated Horror too. Oh, I think I so only... am I, but... I can only handle, like, oh, it's a metaphor for intergenerational trauma. <laughs> <laughs> soundtrack to the film i feel like is as good a point as any to kind of like talk about rob zombie's place in the new metal canon Mm. white zombie were an absolutely positively massive band in the early 90s that has kind of been overshadowed in a sense by rob zombie's solo career and career as a filmmaker but during the 90s especially after the release of 1995's astro astro creep 2000 its lead single more human than human was just everywhere get ready what the hell are you doing to go ballistic with the hottest action-packed movie of the year Travolta, Slater. You're out of your mind. Ain't it cool? Broken Arrow. Uh, songs by White Zombie were in The Cable Guy, Judge Dredd. Like, mm. it, they were a massive band. And their sounds, this kind of like combination of like the southern fried shtick of the butthole surfers mixed in with this like industrial techno sound and like kind of jackhammer pantera style groove metal riffs would really be like a huge influence on a lot of the more groovier and industrial sounds of the new metal era like there's no orgy without white zombie there's no uh mindless self-indulgence without white zombie yeah, I mean, I, to me, White Zombie kind of occupied this weird... Because, you know, they were initially a noise act. They used to play with, like, Sonic Youth and Pussy Galore. And That's so like that. crazy to me. Like, I, I'd always heard that, but I never mm. believed it. And those R- records are pretty tight, man. Yeah, I, I listened back to it. Like, there was a recent re-release of everything. A uh, big box set could have came from NYC mm. with a 100-page book about the history of the early years of White Zombie. They were Parsons yeah. School of... Of design kids like the same school that kamala harris's stepdaughter goes to oh, that's heaps funny they are not southern fried hellbillies i i find that white zombie uh, uh especially like the big white zombie stuff it kind of is in this weird connective tissue where nine inch nails meets the cramps and pantera like it's yeah uh, it's for me just, it's just it's like like it's less Pantera than it is Monster Magnet or uh, yeah, sure, Caius or what would eventually turn into Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, that that's a connect. They they really are like a nexus point for so much of new metal in the but that weren't explicitly new metal in the same way I would lump them in with Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, totally. Like. It's crazy because Rage Against the Machine, when you think about it, aren't new metal. They're just the roots, but with a fucking heavy metal guitar. <laughs> but if you played them in between a Corn and a Limp Biscuit song, the mood would not change in any way. No. Yeah, you'd be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But uh, the soundtrack for this film, 
it's fucking awesome. Like it's it. I, it's so good. Like I think once again it influenced quite a lot of shit that I like. Like there is Brickhouse, uh, weird kind of Americana stuff. Like who's gonna mow your grass? You know the fucking Ramones. I, I've spoken much to Sean's uh, distaste about my extreme love with the Ramones. Uh, I'm a Misfits guy, man. Yeah, like, fair enough, dude. Like I like the Misfits as well, but um, no, totally. Everybody gets one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, man. Uh, I think Al. That leads us to our bodies hit the floor score. The bodies hit the floor score. The bodies hit the floor score. Yes, Sean, I rate this film 1,000 bodies hitting the floor. I th- <laughs> oh my god, are they corpses or bodies? These are corpses, and they are absolutely hitting the floor. Nah, look, in all honesty, I think I would probably give the... As I said, like I know I'm biased, and I have huge rose-tinted glasses for it, but I honestly think that this film just def- defined for me what I find super cool... I just, in full earnest, you love it. I, I, um, I think you probably won't find me giving a film higher praise on this show. Maybe aside from like whatever we do on the Patreon, but uh, I, I really, I mean, it's a four and a half bodies hitting the floor for me. I fucking love this movie. I think if you're a fan of genre films, you need to see it at least once. What about you? Uh, for me, I'm going to give this three bodies hitting the floor, but. Before you get all up in my house of corpses, I'm going to add an extra body for Captain Spaulding's t-shirt that he wears for the first half of the film, which on the front has a hot dog, and on the back says very succinctly, if I wanted to hear an arsehole, I'd just fart. If you can please link me to where I can buy this t-shirt immediately, <laughs> I want to wear it for the rest of my life. <laughs> Four bodies hitting the floor. And once I run this through the Peer Factory calculator... Uh, oh, no, i got to give it six degrees. Uh, one. Rob Zombie and uh, Fred Durst have both played Ozfest. <laughs> nice. After Sean and I found out the Durst computer had become sentient, it had given us a hot new algorithm to judge how new metal a movie is. This algorithm uses our painted Bodies Hit the Floor score and times it by our trademark Fred Durst score. Once we have received peer review, we can say that the PF sum, short for Peer Factory, is the most scientifically way to determine how new metal a movie is. Uh, altogether this film so you gave it three and a half i'm giving it four four damn this has a pf sum of 24 oh sorry i was like burping mid whilst talking at the same Mm -hmm. time (laughs) which al are you any closer to what all of this means or is it all going to come together soon when are we going to see the fabled paper it'll all uh i mean the fabled paper's done baby uh, I'm just waiting for peer review. We're coming. Fear review is coming. Now, please, we are at the favorite time of the month, which is where you, the patrons, pick the film. Please, if you are a Patreon subscriber, hit us up on any social media you can get us on. We want to hear your picks. We want to review them. It's the most fun we have. 
Uh, we've just finished up our Patreon series of Boys and Their Toys. Have a listen where Al and I both hand over our favorite films that we watched when we were 10 years old. It's a hoot and a holler. Al, what are we going to go out on tonight? Uh, we're going to go out on to Brickhouse Tour 2003, which Rob Zombie recorded for the soundtrack of this film with Lionel Richie and Trina. I love it. Thanks, guys. It's a brick house about corpses. <laughs> This is how the story goes.